The NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast are now presented by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgampodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by the SGPN merch store. Just in time for summer, the SGPN store has a new line of mesh shorts. Use the promo code shorts at store.com, store.sportsgampodcast.com for 10% off. That's store.sportsgamepodcast.com for 10% off. And welcome, everybody, to the NBA Gambling Podcast here for Saturday, May 13th. And it's going to be a bit of a weirder episode because you're used to hearing daily previews of games. But there's no games on today because we're all waiting for Game 7 in the Celtics and Sixers series. But... We're going to make the most of the day off in the NBA calendar. We're going to go through the Western Conference Finals. Now that we have the official matchup between the Lakers and the Nuggets, I'm joined, of course, by Delonte Smith. Delonte, how's it going with you? What's up? Going, yeah, going pretty good. Uh, looking forward to breaking down uh, the card and recapping a little bit of what we saw from that Warriors uh, Lakers series. So, yeah, man, good to be with you. And uh, hopefully we can get on the right side of the series. Yeah, of course, in yesterday's game, you also saw the Heat advance, but that doesn't yep. suit this podcast whatsoever, right. so we're not going to talk <laughs> about it. But congrats to the Heat anyway. Uh, besides that, though, I know you mentioned a second ago that the Lakers were able to officially eliminate the Warriors last night. When you look back on the overall series, you had a lot of Steph versus LeBron, a lot of you know some legacy moment, whatever you want to call it. Was the series actually good? Because it felt like a lot of the games individually were blowouts and they kind of just merged into a six-game series. Yeah, it's kind of similar to like the um, the Suns-Mavericks game, uh, seven-game series. Was it last year that the, the yeah. Mavericks, every game was a blowout, but it went seven? So yeah. technically, I think people have in their mind that if a, game, if a series goes seven, it's automatically a good series, which could be far from the truth. And that was a specific um, standpoint because of every game being, I think, 15 to 20 points blowout in that Suns Maverick series. But I think it had its moments. I don't think as far, I don't think it delivered to what people thought it would, especially with the lopsided uh, series being in the Lakers' favor. I mean, the Lakers probably could have, I thought it could have went either way. The Lakers could have wrapped it up in five. I thought if some things went well enough uh, early on in the series, I thought Golden State could have been up uh, three to one and, and being able to close it out. But I mean, I give credit to the Lakers. I give credit to him. He did a great job with the lineups. Uh, let's hope you can continue that and not be a, just a one-trick pony. But um, I don't think it was as good of a series as advertised. Uh, better if you're a Lakers fan. But um, overall, I don't think it lived up to the expectations. What about you? Yeah, there were two games that were competitive, realistically. Yeah. You had game yeah. one which was really not that competitive until they almost blew a 14-point lead. Technically, they did blow a 14-point yeah, lead, they yeah. and they held on at the end. So that game was also a double-digit lead with like five minutes to go, and then or a little bit longer than that, but you get the point. The Lakers were dominating game one as well, and then you had the Rock, which was that three-point win by the Lakers. So mm-hmm. you can argue that five of the six games in the series should have been decided by double digits, but game one was close because the Lakers tried to choke away the game. Overall, it seemed like it was really just a battle of styles, so I wasn't totally shocked that there were decent uh, win margins in this series because if one team just controlled the pace and the game went their way, they had a massive advantage and they were just going to dominate the game, and the Lakers' style of play dominated more often. That seemed to be my overall takeaway from the series. But LeBron, of course, was great last night. It seemed like he was fully... Uh, just he, he did not want to go back to a Golden State. Right. I'll tell you that much. Right. He wanted yeah. to end it, and he finished with I believe thirty nine and nine. AD was a bit quiet scoring, but he had twenty rebounds, solid rim protection. He looked completely fine. And yeah, I don't have much more to add. I thought the Schroeder ejection was a was atrocious. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. And the only other takeaway that I got to mention is going to be my victory lap for Clay Thompson because I, I was going to have to do it at some point. And I know this is not the purpose of this show, but I feel like I earned it. So late in October, I tweeted out that Clay Thompson, in my opinion, was the most overrated player in the entire league. And I got a decent amount of backlash for it at the time because of the fact that he's won rings before and he had some injuries and I was being a little bit rude and he'll figure it out. Yeah. How do you feel now? (laughs) Everybody that doubted me, how do you feel? It's been about six, seven months down the road. And I don't want to say he single-handedly costed them a playoff series, 
but damn, he was really, really bad throughout yeah, the entire series. Unit. He was a fact. I, yeah, I, I tweeted out the actual stats for elimination games uh, for his numbers this season because he had two against the Kings and two against the Lakers in this series. And yeah, he shot below 30% both from the floor and from three. He was especially bad uh, last night. He started the game, I believe, one for 10. It was a mess. And at, the, at one point, I thought Kerr was just going to bench him and let DiVincenzo get all his minutes because DiVincenzo actually looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, dude. Jordan Poole wasn't good either. They got to figure out what they're going to do with him. According to reports, it does seem like Clay is trying to restructure his deal with the Warriors, or maybe that's the goal. But yeah, I'm taking my victory lap because damn, Clay Thompson's bad. Like, I know that I use that word a lot, and I understand it's all comparatively speaking because compared to us, of course, he's a great basketball player, but for a guy that's making that much money, who's supposed to be the splash brother, he might be the half brother, or like the <laughs> step brother, or like the adopt, like the, the adopted brother, or like second cousin once removed. Because, damn, he left Curry out to dry that entire series. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the looks that he got were open looks. Like, it wasn't good defense. I thought he was getting open looks. Even the Reeves half-court shot at the end of the first half was off of a Clay Thompson air ball and a relatively makeable three. Yeah, and I think he had, like, four four shots in the first, like, minute in, like, yeah. two possessions. I think he shot two or three times in one possession. And it, just, it just didn't look good. Um, I'm not sure. I think the Warriors might have exerted a lot more energy than they thought they would against the Kings going in that seven-game series, which is way more competitive than what this was, obviously, um, as you can see from the series. But I thought that they just did, they were just in a fight. Like, they were in a war, and the Lakers cruised by uh, Memphis, and they just imposed their will. It looked like the legs were gone of, of Steph. Uh, I mean, Steph didn't have the best series. I mean, numbers-wise, it looked good. The three-point um, shooting wasn't yeah, that great for his yeah, normal efficiency. But it's Steph, so he doesn't get – a lot of the, you know, normal backlash that other superstars get. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, but he didn't he didn't play as well as he probably could have. And, you know, uh, that has a lot to do with some of the things around him as far as Clay. Uh, I don't think Wiggins was particularly good, especially defensively, which is where he's supposed to be their anchor other than Draymond. Are you talking about the series or are you talking about just the game last night? No, no, I'm talking about just series. I okay. don't think he was that I didn't think he was that good defensively in the series, also. Um, I mean Draymond has had spurts, but He's having to guard AD and he's getting in foul trouble, so just you know, messing with his rhythm. But yeah, yeah. I think I think the Lakers just imposed their will, and the Warriors just ended up running out of gas. It seemed like that. And yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were going through basically the entire supporting cast, and now nobody was consistently good throughout the series. That's I feel like why Steph isn't getting most of the backlash, which I know you can argue is a little bit hypocritical because we criticize other superstars when they get no help anyway. Like, for example, like Dame, who like never gets any help ever, and they barely make the playoffs, if ever. And then people like hold it against him in a way. Right. I do think, though, that Steph's supporting cast was significantly worse than the Lakers' entire like roster. And as a result, Steph had to do everything for this team. So I am going to give Steph a little bit of a pass. He could have played better, and I'm going to hold him to a high standard because he still is a top probably 10 player of all time, and he's right. a top five player in the league right now. But I will acknowledge he had absolutely no help throughout the entire Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and that, that might be why that might be why, you know, some people are reluctant to, you know, look at the shooting numbers and some of the things. Cause defensively, he was trying. I mean, yeah. he, he does give effort and trying. He, he got just, torched he, a lot, but he, he tried. Yeah, I mean he wasn't he just wasn't he wasn't able to to hold up. And Clay wasn't able to hold up either on either end. I mean, if you can't if he couldn't make shots, then he should be able to slow down Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker like to a certain extent. I feel like that's why Steph's getting less backlash than other superstars because you had a lot of hyped up supporting cast members whether it was going to be Wiggins after last year's uh, let's just call it an NBA Finals MVP runner-up performance where he was that good Clay was hyped up to be you know the running mate he's healthy again they're going to figure it out game six Clay which is a bunch of nonsense and mm -hmm. Clay abandoned just the abandoned Steph I mean it's just the way it is so yeah. I do acknowledge if you want to roast Steph you can but once again, I don't know how many superstars bes besides maybe LeBron could have actually won with that with those performances he was getting consistently from Poole and and Clay and Wiggins was okay for most of the series. Yeah, he, but, he was he was decent. He just like, but I felt like defensively he didn't give them much. Yeah. I felt like 
that he was supposed to be the guy to be able to at least you know, limit some of the stretches that LeBron has. Now, of course, LeBron is picking the spots where he wants to go and when he wants to be aggressive. And he also thought, had the broken rib cartilage thing going into game yeah, six. Yeah, so. that too. I mean, but in, in my eyes, I mean, just don't play if you're going to try to blame that. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I didn't see him blame it or like put any fault in it, but I mean, just don't play if, if you're just that. I, I just and, heard that report going around. So that might, that might have been why he performed particularly poorly in game six, but yeah, the yeah, point is Steph, you want to give him back last you can, but I do think that at the end of the day, none of his supporting cast members stepped up whatsoever. Yeah, so I that's why the Warriors got killed in most of these games. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Warriors. I just wanted to do a brief victory lap for clay, uh, but now time to actually get into the series itself. I'm going to start off with the path for both teams before we get into the actual odds. So we already kind of alluded to the Lakers most recent round against golden state. They looked comfortable for the most part. And then in the Memphis series, it was the exact same script as the Golden State series. Game by game, it was the exact same script. So I can't really view anything differently. You want to have you want to make any mentions here of the Lakers' path? Because it does seem like no matter how much better Golden State was than Memphis, the script was the exact same. And the Lakers seemed content with basically winning one road game, taking a nap in every other road game, and just defending home court. Yeah, it's actually the opposite of what most LeBron teams have because they won both game ones. They've been really mistaken. bad in game ones and one. Yeah, and part. then they flipped the script and now he's been they've been totally aggressive and being coming out and and punching them in the mouth. And I think that gives them a sense of well, if we get that one win on the road out of the way early, then it's easier to adjust after a win than it is after a loss. So I thought that Ham does a great job of getting those guys ready for those game ones. Um, I thought that he did a good job of a multi. Faster than that lineup, taking guys out of the lineup because he would he abandoned obviously um, Lonnie Walker helped that when he was making those shots, but he abandoned D'Lo at times. He would abandon Reeves, and if those guys weren't performing in that lineup, like with Schroeder in the lineup mm-hmm. instead of Vanderbilt, if those guys weren't performing, then he's looked at as you know a dumbass for taking those guys out of the game. But uh, I thought he did a good job, and I think he's got a good hold on what to do and who to play with certain people. I'm just hoping that he can do the same. Well, as a Lakers fan, I'm hoping he can do the same with this lineup coming in. But like you said, the script was perfect. Both They beat uh, two totally different teams. They beat a jump-shooting team and the Warriors uh, recently, and they beat, uh, I guess, a more physical team, yeah. um, although they were lacking two of their, big, their bigs. But they still were more physical than the Warriors. So I felt like they won two different types of – of matchups and that's probably they're gonna have to combine both of the, like something from each series to be able to compete with the nuggets because i think the nuggets are more balanced and they can do either either side of the coin as far as memphis and golden state so i know we'll get into that later but yeah uh, I, I, no, I was gonna say about the war about the lakers that the one area that i was concerned about for their overall playoff run besides the obvious health of lebron and ad was the coaching because I thought Darvin Ham was really, really underwhelming for most of the season. I got to give him props. He's been really, really good with this roster. You can argue some of the some of the mid game execution stuff could use some work, but it's been better than it was in the regular season, especially late in games. They've been actually very good at closing games out, which they really struggled at in the regular season. But to kind of touch upon your point in simple terms, he's pushing the right buttons mm-hmm. and he knows when to bench players. And I do think that since the Lakers have a relatively deep roster, it does seem a bit difficult to know when to stop playing certain guys and when to rotate other guys in. And it does seem like he do- Ham has a very good gauge on what players to play at which situations. And I do think as a result, the Lakers have definitely looked sharp because the bench unit has been able to inject life no matter which lineups they're actually using with the bench unit. Yeah, I agree with that. 100%. So. That's one thing I want to keep in mind for this series because we're going to mention Denver's bench in a, in a second, but we do know the Lakers have a much better bench. Now I'm going to transition over to the Nuggets. I'm going to start off with this. Which pa- which performances have you been more impressed with so far? Denver's run so far or the Lakers? Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good question. Um, I guess I would be more so with the Lakers because I wasn't as – I was more I was higher on Denver coming in than I was the Lakers. So I guess okay. I'll have to be I'm gonna surprised. rephrase it. Let's let's ignore the expectations. Which team has looked, I'd say, more consistently impressive over the first two rounds? Denver or Los Angeles? Yeah, I think the Lakers have. Just because just simply because of quality of opponent. Minnesota and although Phoenix was did have two of the best players. They were a very in, flawed team. Right. 
Right. So I think the Lakers beat better teams than Denver. So Denver's depth in their home court, obviously, you got to think both in both of these matchups, the Lakers didn't have home court. Yeah. So they're at a disadvantage right there. So I think they were more impressive. I thought they were more dominant, imposing their will. But they pushed the right buttons, like you said, with him. And I mean, keeping AD and LeBron healthy for has uh, ten games. It's like 10, 11 games, right? So I mean, that's big. That's big for them. Well, Bull series won six, so it's twelve. Twelve. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, bad math. So yeah, uh, I thought the Lakers were probably more impressive than the Nuggets from just from a standpoint of them having to start off, you know, on the road every series or both series and then while Denver did look impressive I mean the quality of opponents just isn't up to the standard that the Lakers play I think we all I can do agree, agree. That. I agree with that point but I do think based on consistency I have to lean to Denver That's because fair. they've That's looked fair. like basically the exact same team game in yeah. game out and yes I know they lost a couple games to Phoenix the offense was great Booker went nuclear it happens you're against Booker and Durant you're gonna lose a couple games because two guys went nuts but Denver is just consistently getting such great looks offensively because of Jokic and because of really the system that they run. And even defensively, they've had moments. I thought they did a good job against KD for most of the series. KD's shooting numbers were well below what they normally were in terms of efficiency. So I think based on consistency, I give Denver the nod. But yeah, I do understand your point. I think that Memphis and Golden State were the better teams because... Once again, you're looking at the Lakers seeding. They were supposed to go up against better teams over mm-hmm. the course of the first two rounds. Do you think Golden State was better than Phoenix? Probably, probably a pick'em in a series. Okay. In, in, in a, I would probably make it like one, probably one fifteen, one twenty to to Golden State. I mean, they had they would have home court, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think it's close too, but I think we yeah. all agree Memphis was much better than Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. That's the main difference there. Yeah. But Denver, yeah. did, even even yeah. without Clark and, and Adams, yes. Yeah. yeah, but the one thing I am impressed with both teams uh, to kind of circle back to the overall preview. I'm not surprised in hindsight that these are the two teams that made the Western Conference Finals when they're the only teams, including the playoffs and the play-in, that have not lost a home game. It seems like home court advantage has been less and less valuable. Maybe it's just Boston, who can't win a home game, and they made it to the NBA Finals <laughs> last year. I think they've split their last like 16 home games, and at this point, you're just wondering, what's the point of home court advantage? And then you look at the West, and you realize that Denver and the Lakers just never lose at home. So I do think... That, that's something to keep in mind because both teams have been very, very good at home. And I am wondering if the Lakers will be able to break through in game one like they have in the previous two series. But I think that's time to segue us into the actual uh, price point for the series. The, Nug- the Nuggets are around minus 140 to win the series. The Lakers are around plus 120. If you want to take the spread, you can get the Nuggets minus one and a half games at plus 160. The Lakers plus one and a half games at minus 195. If you want to flip it, uh, I don't have that in front of me, actually. So I don't have the information on that. But I'm a, I know for a fact the Lakers minus one and a half will be a decent amount of plus money. I'm going to ask you, first of all, do you think Nuggets minus 140 is a fair price? Yeah, I think it's fair just simply because of home court. And you you went over the home court numbers. And I think that I thought that I wanted the Nuggets to at least not look this good because I wanted to get a better price on them against the Lakers. I wanted it to be more so like 115 ish, like almost a pick because of the Lakers, both series, they're being so dominant from, you know, being able to control some of these narratives that, you know, they're not consistent enough. AD can't do it in the even. Was it the even games or the odd games? He couldn't do it in the odd games, I think. Was, I, I'm trying to remember. No, I think it was the even games because he was very good in yeah. game one yeah. okay. against against Memphis. I think it was, yeah, it was so good I've, and odd and bad and even. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, man, I think that uh, – I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Now, would I like it to be a little bit lower? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the, the price is pretty fair if you factor in home court. And as you said, both teams have been unreal um, in their home court. I think the Nuggets have a little bit better home court advantage due to the altitude than the Lakers. But something that Lakers, I guess – critics or people who don't like the Lakers, their crowds are really, really good. Like mm-hmm. this, they have a incredible home court advantage. Uh, usually it's not associated with the Lakers in Miami um, for obvious reasons, but I think they have one of the better home courts. I thought it was like that throughout the entire regular season. Um, and those guys play hard in front of them. I mean, the proof's in the record. So I think the, I think the price is pretty fair at, at 140. I mean, you can shop around probably get 130, um, but I think it's pretty fair between 130, 130 and 140. 
Well, I am going to ask you. So since you said you wanted a bit of a cheaper number, I'm assuming that means you think Denver's going to win the series. Yeah, I do. I do. I would probably lay. I would lay one. I would lay that one and a half at plus money um, on Denver. So to go through the actual matchups here, I feel like it's a good place to start. Yeah, sure. I'm just going to kind of try to give you a random question just to see where you initially go on this. The most important matchup is obviously going to be Jokic versus AD. It's, it's not even a question. That's going to be the most important matchup. Who do you think is the X factor for both teams? So I actually got in my notes. Uh, that's one of the things. So the X factor for let's start with Denver. Uh, if we if we can, we can start with Denver. Is that cool with you? Yeah, it's fine with me. Yeah, so I think the most important player in the series, regardless of team, is Michael Porter Jr. So he wants to be the man, and he wants to feel like he deserves to get the ball and be a focal point of that offense. Then this is a series that he has to play like it. So I think he is the most important person in the series. I mean, outside of the obvious, you know, Joker, AD, I feel like they're the stars are, are the stars. Um, we don't have to talk about them or go into depth about it. But it's these other role players or second-tier guys that are more important. I feel like Michael Porter Jr. is the X factor on both on both sides. Because if you look at it, Vanderbilt's what, six seven, six eight. Yeah. Um Reeves is Reeves is listed at six five. He's probably around six three. Um, I was gonna say he's probably six three, yeah. six four, give or take. Yeah. yeah. So their front line is not as good. And LeBron, as good as LeBron is, he's not going to want to play Michael Porter Jr. for, what, 30, 35 minutes of him banging. Because Michael Porter Jr. will post up. He does get shot happy. But I feel like he has the distinct advantage um, against the Lakers. So that would mean the Lakers would have to play more Rui because I think Rui is a perfect matchup for him. So those two guys, I think, are the most important pieces in this game, Michael Porter Jr. being the most important um, piece he's he's been inconsistent i mean he only averaged 12.8 in the last series so that's not going to get it done he's going to have to like completely turn that around he's going to have to get between 17 and 19 points a game he's only had two 20 point games in the playoffs uh he has shot it well 38 from deep in the last round um so he's going to want to have to you know keep defending he's been doing a good job defending i know that's hard to believe but if you look at some of the things that he was doing as far as rotations being a force helping joker at the rim he's been really good doing that i thought he did a solid job uh, in that series so he's going to have to put it together on both ends so i feel like michael porter junior is the x factor for both teams and if i had to pick somebody on the lakers side i think it would be Rui because simply he was the better matchup for michael porter junior i don't think they have anybody inside uh, that starting lineup that could be able to withstand some of the things that Michael Porter Jr. does offensively. So for me, I think there's a lot of ways to go because I do think this should be a very fun series. I think it's going to go relatively long no matter who you pick to win the series. I think it's going six or seven. I think it's going to be a bit of a war here. I do think if I had to pick an X factor, I'm not even sure if it counts as an X factor because he's still like a pretty well-known starter. For Denver, it's Aaron Gordon. And I think the main reason is he's going to be the main guy guarding LeBron. And I do mm-hmm. think that with Aaron Gordon, who I've never been a big fan of offensively, the fact remains that the Lakers still aren't a good transition defense team. And occasionally they lose track of their guys with off-ball action. They did a decent job with the Warriors series, but a couple of guys got loose. And we know Gordon is one of the better cutters in the entire league. So I do think Gordon could have some big games if the Lakers are so focused on Jokic and Murray that maybe he's able to find openings in the paint and potentially could find some backdoor cuts that result in wide-open shots. Plus, he also has shot the three relatively well so far in the postseason. Limited volume, but still, I do think it would be a big deal if he could hit the outside shot. But I do think that he's the most important guy for Denver as an X-Factor because, once again, he will be given the main task of guarding LeBron. Is he going to do well? I have no idea. But the point is he's going to try. So I do think that he's the most important guy because if he can even limit LeBron to a mediocre performance throughout the series, I do think that that, that drastically increases Denver's chances right. naturally of winning. So I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon. Because, Let me ask you this. Yeah, uh, sorry. Damn, interrupt. Yeah, so do you think he'll be on LeBron for the most part? Because personally, I think that they're going to try to put him on AD to limit some of the things as far as foul trouble for a joker. And that, that'll bring me into my next point whenever you get done with your handicap. But I was just curious to get your insight on like the cross matching, because it does make sense to put LeBron, I mean, to put uh, Aaron Gordon on LeBron, but I think LeBron has turned into more of a facilitator, spot up shooter, pick his spots when he wants to go. So I think that's more so of a matchup maybe for, I mean, I know it's crazy to say, but I think Michael Porter Jr. can kind of, be there, 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? To bother him and it'll add another layer to whenever he gets, if he gets past Michael Porter Jr., which he probably will. And it'll be, you know, Aaron Gordon is there. He's a good shot blocker for his size. So I think they'll try to take Joker and make him off ball. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt, like, is in the lineup that Joker's on Vanderbilt just so he can roam around the paint and not have to worry about, you know, getting in foul trouble. So I'm interested yeah, for, to hear your thoughts for me, on that. I'm, I'm not sure if the matchups truly matter that much because I think we all know after seeing how the Lakers took care of business against Golden State, they are going to spam Jokic in every single pick and roll imaginable, yeah. and it doesn't even matter. Right. So I do think Jokic will, no matter what, be forced to guard the ball handler on switches on pick and rolls. But I think Gordon's probably your best option on LeBron. Because I think we've noticed at this point in the playoffs, LeBron's jump shot is just broken. I know he had a couple of threes as the series went on against Golden State. He really shot the ball terribly outside the paint. So I think Denver is going to put Gordon on him because at least he has some strength, which can somewhat, I don't want to say match LeBron because LeBron's stronger than almost everybody in the league, but at least he won't give up a free run to the lane. I think Denver's plan, you're going to have to give up something. I think they'll sacrifice jump shots from LeBron, and they're just going to basically say, listen, if we limit you getting into the paint, that's a win. So I think yeah. Gordon's probably going to guard LeBron if I had to get yeah, it. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that, too. Yeah, I can see. But they might, they might rotate. We'll see. Uh, but my X Factor for the Lakers, it's kind of a mix because they're going to rotate a bunch of bench guys. But it's going to be some type of mix between Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder because I think Jokic can do whatever he wants either scoring or facilitating. You can't stop Jokic. He's just too good at basketball. However, Jamal Murray is the one who's the streaky one. Who Denver's going to need to have great performances game in, game out. I'll tell you what, before he got ejected, I thought Schroeder did a great job on Curry, and he's one of their better perimeter defensive players. Yeah, Reeves isn't a good defensive player, but he had some moments as the series went on. He tried, I, guess it's, I was going to say, he's trying. Yeah. Basically, whoever's guarding Jamal Murray, I think, is the X factor for the Lakers because they're going to need to keep him in check. Jokic is, I mean, we can call him unstoppable, right? Because even if he doesn't score, he'll get you 15 assists. You can't really yeah. do anything about it. He, so you can do. the main game plan, if I was Denver, stop Jamal Murray, stop Michael Porter Jr., and just force Jokic to basically beat you single-handedly. And I'm not sure if he can. So I think the X factor for me would be some combination of Reeves and Schroeder Whoever's guarding Jamal Murray, that's how I'm looking at it. Do you put Reeves on Jamal Murray? I mean, not Reeves. Do you put Reeves? Do you put maybe Vanderbilt? Do you get Vanderbilt, tell Vanderbilt to copy the Curry technique and just like stalk him the entire court? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm interested to do. That's in, that's like the first thing in my um, in my notes is like lineups because I'm interested to see how Ham will play it because like you said, he can go about it in so many different ways. Like I think the lineups are fascinating from where you can go because I don't know if Vanderbilt will be able to play in this series because he he's not he doesn't have to be guarded. So that means you're going to leave an offensive player. I think Denver's five can score like at will like all yeah. all of those guys are are really good scores so whereas they had Aaron, layoff, Aaron Gordon's the one maybe in there but yes right but at least he can at least hit a 15 to 18 foot yeah. jumper that's respectable mm -hmm. like it's not gonna have you're not gonna sag off him in the paint like you did Draymond like you did Looney like you did Peyton mm -hmm. so those are three non-offensive factors that you're gonna have to account for if you're the Lakers so that means KCP who's familiar with the Lakers and he's a really really good on ball defender Probably going to be on Austin Reeves to neutralize some of the things that Austin Reeves does with the pick and roll. So my thing is, where does Van? What do you think Vanderbilt fits in at? Because let's say if they go with the regular starting lineup and Vanderbilt's in, so that means somebody, whoever is on Vanderbilt, is not going to have to guard him on ball. So if they're they put sagging, him in, you're sagging off into the paint the entire time. Exactly. So that means that's cutting off lanes to drive. You can double. You can double AD. Joker's, uh, Joker's already a beast on the boards, but let's just say you got an extra body to box out or get rebounds over him. So I'm kind of interested to see what Ham does with those lineups. And like you said, Reeves is going to be tested here because he's going to go from KCP to Bruce Brown to Christian Brown. So, I mean, it's no let up. Like with, with the Warriors, they didn't have that perimeter defense that, that Denver has. So he's going to be tested. So is Russell, and we all know Russell's been inconsistent. Uh, he had that one quarter, and then I think the rest of the series he was pretty blah. So yeah. uh, I'm interested to see how Ham does with the lineups and what he does. Also interested to see what Michael Malone does with his lineups because, I mean, you want to keep Joker fresh. So if so let's say if the Lakers just go with Schroeder starting, so who do you who do you think that he cross-matches with as far as Joker? you think he has to guard AD? 
I think realistically, whenever AD is off the court, Jokic will be off the court. Or one of the combinations there with LeBron or AD. But that's the problem you're running into with Denver, which the fact their bench in this series is a serious liability, at least on paper. They can get away with it against Phoenix because, damn, that Phoenix bench was terrible. And you know it's a bad sign when Landry Shamit is the saving grace for like 24 hours when I'm such an anti-Landry Shamit guy. But... In this series, Denver, how many bench players do you really like besides Bruce Brown and maybe a little bit of Christian Brown? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not confident in it, but also I'm, I'm not like I don't think Lonnie Walker will have that same success against Denver because they're better defensively on the perimeter than Golden State was. So it kind of like now, do they have better options? The Lakers, absolutely. So to your point, I'm definitely agreeing with your op- with option wise, but matchup wise, like this is something that he hasn't faced with. Christian Brown. Now, Brown's going to play in spurts, so mm. I think we'll see a lot of uh, Jeff Green also as far as his length and being able to be uh, just another body to throw at LeBron. He'll have and, one big dunk at some point in the series. Yeah, of course. He always yeah, does. yeah, of yeah. course. And so I credit him because he's had, what, like two or three heart, sh- heart surgeries, and yep. for him to be out there is, like, incredible. So i got to give him credit. And, um, I mean, he's obviously not going to hit shots, but he's going to be a defensive anchor to be able to withstand some of those minutes whenever they want to put, you know, Porter at the at the four and put Jeff Green at the five when they go small because the Lakers have been prone to go small. Um, now, granted, it was against Golden State who they were matching small for small, but I thought they had a lot of success. And like you mentioned with Schroeder, I thought he did a good job offensively and defensively on that pick and roll. So it'll be interesting to see how both of these coaches do with the lineups. But I think the lineups is a huge, huge um, question mark and a huge advantage. It could be an advantage and a disadvantage for the other team. So I'm interested to see how both teams come out. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you, since you already told me who you think is going to win the series, why do you believe Denver's going to win the series, and how many games do you think it's going? Yeah, so I'm thinking seven. I think it's going to go seven. It's going to be a lot more competitive than what either team has seen as far as the Denver-Phoenix game. Like you said, it wasn't as competitive. I mean, they had spots, but I think both of these teams played to a similar standard. Now, the one thing that you mentioned um, that I want to shed a little bit light on is the pace. I thought the Lakers are not good in transition. Golden State exposed that a little bit. The high pick and roll taking Anthony Davis out of the paint is going to be a major, major consideration in what happens. And I think that Jamal Murray and Joker's pick and roll is incredibly efficient, and it's going to be hard for the Lakers to be able to stop. So I saw the... I saw Denver win games with their defense, which is vastly improved. And you hit on that also. So credit to you for for pointing. And I think we both were on that kind of Denver sneakily good defensively coming into the playoffs. It was a mix. Playoffs. I thought I thought they were decent, but it was also me looking at Phoenix going. This might be the worst defense in the entire playoffs, and nobody okay, was that's talking fair. about it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So that's some fair. of it was compare was by comparison. Like Denver's defense is a lot better than Phoenix's. I don't think it's a bad defense, at least mm-hmm. what from most people think. I think Denver's is probably middle of the road which is yeah. better than what most people think. Yeah. But when I said it back then, it really was just throwing shade at Phoenix's defense by comparison. Yeah, that's fair. So. And, and the thing is, I think they got to keep AD out of foul trouble. So is there, he's vital to their rim dip. He's the only one that can protect the rim. And we saw it. I mean, he's almost – their uh, defensive rating when he's on the floor is seven points higher than when he – well, I guess – if they're better, obviously, seven points better when he's on the floor than when he's not on the floor. And that's throughout the entire season, including the play, like playoffs and regular season. So we saw what Golden State constantly do, putting them in pick and rolls, keep them away from the rim and the paint. It kind of wore them down, and that benefited them. So I'm quite sure Denver will follow that same game script, and they have some of the guys to get out and run. So I think that'll be the main factor in why they win, is I think they'll be able to withstand some of the things they do inside. Denver's not going to allow – Anthony Davis and LeBron to pound them in the paint like Golden State did. That's not that's not going to happen. They got too many guys, too much length. They're not going to get dominated inside. Now they might get beat a game or two due to the paint, but they're not going to get demoralized like they were doing against Golden State. So I think that is a key. Uh, keeping AD out of foul trouble uh, or putting AD in foul trouble is one of the reasons why I think um, Denver is going to be uh, superior in this matchup. So this is kind of the concern that I have for Denver. You mentioned foul trouble for AD. I don't know what the hell Denver's supposed to do if any of their main guys get into foul trouble because we know this bench isn't that great. Right. So even though I do love this Denver team 
And I was low on the Lakers for most of the year, rightfully so. And I did think Memphis might beat them. I did have the Lakers in six against Golden State. I got that right initially. Uh, I might have wavered midway through the series, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but I, th- I think for this overall matchup, I am in a lean to the Lakers uh, in six personally. It's really about the bench. It's a mix of a pretty underwhelming bench for Denver. Besides Bruce Brown, a little bit of Christian Brown. But once again, he's still a rookie, so I'm not sure how much I trust him in this spot. The Lakers just can give you so many different looks. And if anybody gets into foul trouble for Denver, they got problems. And I do think that's worth bringing up because in addition to not having the most depth, Denver also really does not have great rim protection. And all the Lakers want to do is sprint towards the rim. I do think the Lakers can really dominate the paint in the series. I think AD can have his moments. LeBron can get downhill, which is why I said Aaron Gordon is the most important player for Denver in the series. Because no offense to Jokic, he's really the main guy giving any rim protection whatsoever. That's the problem I have with Denver, and that's why I think the Lakers are going to wear them down. I just think that the Nuggets don't have any rim protection for me. No offense to 95-year-old DeAndre Jordan, who's enjoying the joyride right now, but they don't have any rim protection, and they don't have any bench, or at least any bench that I'm comfortable with in this matchup. The Lakers are what, like eight deep, borderline nine deep? Is that fair? Yeah, so I would go Rui, Rui, um, Lonnie, Schroeder, I guess Schroeder, Vanderbilt would be one, so that's eight. That's eight? Uh, Yeah, that's about eight, and I mean... Do we see Malik Beasley in this series? I you mean, he's, he's a perfect prototype for what you can do spacing wise and to get, you know, some of those other guys defending. The I really is, think that I, I know Malik Beasley's competent. That's what I'm saying. So you have nine realistic options, eight yeah. if you want to throw Beasley out. Yeah, I agree. You have agree. three bench players you can go to on a regular basis and feel good about it. Yeah. I don't know what Denver has. I feel comfortable yeah. about Bruce Brown. Yeah, Christian Brown has gotten some minutes. His minutes have kind of been all over the place so far. Yeah, I think he's more of a like he's more of a okay. Aaron Gordon's tired of defending, or KCP's tired, so get out there and go as hard as you can for you know seven eight minutes. And you know, yeah, if you if you make a shot or hit a dunk, then that's great. But otherwise, go out there, use two or three fouls, wear these guys down until we can get you know our better players in. Now that's credit to him because he's been excellent in that role. Like he's been completely excellent in that role, so no shade at all to him. I think he's going to be a good player, but I think he's going to he's going to have to play a vital part. I mean, they're going to have to play seven or eight guys, like you said. And I think Jeff Green plays a, a bigger role as I mentioned earlier, but I'm not sure how much he can play. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with you um, as far as the as far as the attacking the paint. Denver does a great job of defending without fouling. And uh, you mentioned their rim protection. They don't have a lot of it. So they basically build a wall. I think that that's what they're going to do against the against the Lakers. They're going to make them beat them from the outside. And if they beat them, so be it. So in the first round, they allowed 24.2 uh, free throw attempts per game. And that was in Minnesota. And Minnesota is somewhat of an attacking team, you know, with yeah. Conley, Edwards. So they 24.2 is is okay. You can't give up 24.2 to the Lakers, but they they limited that. And against um, Phoenix, they only gave up 18.8 free throw attempts per game. So they got a little bit better as they um, went forward. So the I think Phoenix, if they can, the Phoenix one's tricky though because Monty Williams has complained about not getting calls the entire season because the yeah. team only shoots jump shots. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I thought in some of that. I think like a two or three game stretch. I think Denver was, I mean, I thought uh, Phoenix was constantly going to the paint, like especially with Booker and KD, they made an emphasis on getting to the paint, getting to the rim. I think that's a part of the reason why they won those two games in Phoenix, but you're right. So any, anything, I don't think they're as good as allowing, you know, 18.8 or as bad as allowing 24.2. So somewhere between that number, I'm guessing a sweet spot would be like 20 to 21. If you can limit the Lakers to 20 to 21 free throw attempts, and I think you're in a good spot because you can't let them get to the line at will 27 to 30 different t- to 30 times because that throws your offensive rhythm off. It gets your guys in foul trouble. Now you got to switch the lineup. So I think that Denver is going to do a good job of defending without fouling, mostly because I think they're going to mix in a lot of zone. I think they're going to play a lot of compact. We seen you seen what Miami did against New York. So I think that's going to be a similar game plan to what. Michael Malone wants to do with this team because I mean again, how many guys do you trust shooting the ball with from the Lakers? 
you don't trust many, which is why we said Malik, Malik Beasley might get a role here, or D'Angelo, they're going to pray that mm-hmm. he makes shots and he's going to automatically mm-hmm. get minutes. And he'll Lakers make outside, a few, but yeah. no, he's not going to be consistent enough. The Lakers' outside shooting is still not great, uh, which makes this team really, really, I'd say, annoying to follow on a game-in, game-out basis because you know they're probably going to shoot below 30%, but they're going to yeah. find a way to win the game anyway, uh, even though they can't hit a three to save their lives. But it hasn't really mattered because they've been able to out-physical teams yeah. over seven game stretches. They're not doing I am wondering game. though, I mean, with the lack of a great supporting cast, if Denver can overcome potential foul trouble. And I don't think they can. I feel like that's really the problem that I run, that I run into with Denver. And when Jokic is going to go out of his way to avoid foul trouble, he might give up a lot of extra freebies at the rim because he can't block many shots. So yeah. I think that's where, disconnect, the, that's where our disconnect is. Yeah. Is, is the foul thing, which I mean, yeah. like I said, it, it's not a, it's not like, um, like conviction, like I'm not convinced that you know the Nuggets I just, are just, I just think sweep Denver's them away. going to get killed every time Jokic is off the court, and I think that the Lakers can tread water when AD or LeBron or both are, are sitting. I think the bench unit won't get killed. I think Denver might get killed, and I think that might be the problem. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Also, I think that's a fair point. And we forgot to mention, man, Thomas Bryant revenge series. I'm sure a lot of people forgot he was even he was even on the team because he's been a complete non-factor in the first couple rounds. Yeah, he wanted to leave. Is he even he, dressed he, for these games? I have no idea. Like if he was wearing a suit for half the series, I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, I have no idea. But you know, he wanted to get out and and be more, you know, contribute more. So I guess he's yeah. doing that with clapping his hands. You're rooting yeah, on your Joker. So. He's getting the water for Jokic. There know? we go. Yeah. He's taking his luggage from the airport to the hotel room. But <laughs> don't get yeah, anyway. There were a couple other props I actually wanted to get into because I do see player props for the series. Uh, before I get into that, I want to take a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Shady Rays, and Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventure. That's not all. They also offer the most insane protection all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on the first day, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they will have your back long after purchase. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of Polaroid sunglasses. Then take your receipt to SportsCampPodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. We're also brought to you by the SGPN merch store because we have a brand new pair of shorts. You already get your shades, and now it's time to get a great pair of mesh shorts for the summer. SGPN has dropped a new line of mesh shorts that's perfect for any summer activity. I don't know about you. When it comes to mesh shorts or any shorts in general, I play sports. I don't mind going to the park and playing some basketball or doing whatever. If you want to just hang out at the beach, really anything you want to use shorts for, the mesh shorts are pretty comfortable. Head to store.sportscamppodcast.com and use the code SHORTS for 10% off your purchase. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the series in the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets. We went through the actual matchup. And now it's time to actually get into some of the props here. I do see points leader, rebounds leader, and I see threes, etc. So I'm going to read off some of the odds, and I want you to tell me who stands out to you. Sure. For points, Jokic is the favorite at minus 155. LeBron is second favorite at plus 290. You have 80 at plus 450, and Jamal Murray at plus 550. The next option is 100 to 1. Simply put, it's going to be one of these four guys, correct? <laughs> Man, listen, I'm big on Michael Porter Jr. this series. I think if he can average, you know, 22, 23. He's gonna, not, the winner of this prop is going to need to average at least like 26, 27. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess if you want to take a long shot, put some piece of money, I would put it on – if you on either side, I would put it on Michael Porter Jr., and if if I'm the Denver on the Denver side, um, for the Lakers, I would probably go with. Hmm, I'm not sure if I don't know sure if I trust anybody to put up 26. I mean, D'Lo. I'm not picking Davis. Davis has too many off games where he just doesn't yeah. look fully interested in in putting up yeah. 30 points. But just a long just a long shot. Like who would you who would you be more comfortable with? Like Reeves or like D'Lo? You think the D'Lo can string together? Put the long shots don't exist. 
Like I, I think it's going to be one of these four guys. I think the biggest long shot you can get value on is Jamal Murray. If I was going to bet any two guys here, I would take LeBron and I would take Jamal Murray. Now, Jokic is probably going to win, but I'm hoping AD's defense could maybe make life difficult or maybe the Lakers' game plan for Jokic's scoring and they dare the supporting cast to make shots. I'm going to go with Murray. I'm hoping Bubble Murray can return for more than yeah. one game at a time. Maybe as a nice four-game stretch, at, puts up a couple 35 pieces. So I do think Murray is worth maybe a flyer. At the I think Murray's a great dude. But I do think that LeBron would be my main Lakers choice because we mentioned that Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. is going to try to guard him. But we saw in game six against the Warriors, LeBron came out full energy. And I do think that there is a chance LeBron's been pacing himself for the first couple rounds. And maybe he pulls the trigger and he unloads the gas tank in the next two rounds. So I do think that LeBron and Murray would be my choices. If Jokic wins it, would I be shocked? No, but I do think plus 290 and plus 550. If they played the series three times, I think LeBron would lead it in scoring one of the three. So give me LeBron plus 290 and give me Murray plus 550. Yeah, I'll definitely be on you with Murray. The Lakers don't do a good job of defending point guards, especially the combo guards. We've seen what happened even with Ja, Bain, uh, Steph. Now, Clay didn't have a good series. I think that more really? so had to... That's one way to put it. He was a double agent the entire series. He was yeah, Clay, he was Dylan Brooks bad in that series. Yeah, Clay, Clay and Poole didn't have good series, but a lot of like I said, the the Clay stuff it just had he just was missing. It wasn't a, it wasn't good defense. So we seen Bain dissect this uh, Lakers defense. So I think the guards do have an advantage uh, against the Lakers defense. So I'm with you all day on Jamal Murray. I think I'll, I'll place a, a nice size bet on Jamal Murray to lead it. And I think I mean you got to look at it from from this perspective. Like Joker doesn't have to score, and I think scoring is like his second or third, like thing that he wants to do. He he's wants great to at everything. It's whatever right. the defense wants to give him. Right. To be honest. And I feel like it, I feel like in that case, then we're getting some value with Jamal Murray because Jamal Murray is going to be involved with ball handling off the pick and rolls, and we know how bad the Lakers are when AD is in that pick and roll, or so, even the inverted pick and roll where Jokic is handling the ball mm-hmm. and he's going to set one. So yeah, yeah. So man, yeah, I'm getting um. Getting a nice size number with that, so I'll be on. I'll be on Jamal Murray for sure. Is that at DraftKings? Oh uh, yeah, DraftKings yeah. has fi- has five fifty uh, for Murray and two ninety mm-hmm. for LeBron. I'll be on those two. Yep, I'll definitely be on those. Uh, but looking at the other props here, uh, you have rebounding. It's basically a chop between Davis and Jokic. Davis is around minus one fifteen. Jokic is around minus one ten. So basically, a trade off. LeBron is fifty to one. Do you want to take a flyer with LeBron? Man, I will. Aaron Gordon's a hundred to one. No, give me, I, give me, I, give me I LeBron at fifty. If I LeBron at fifty to one. Yeah, if I if I had to go, because if you think that uh, Davis and Joker basically cancel each other out, like somebody has to get those other rebounds, I would definitely take LeBron. I mean, LeBron's capable of averaging eleven, twelve rebounds if he if he wanted to. Um, yeah, now we I saw think, him have a couple big rebounding games in the first couple rounds. Right, and like you said. I mean, to me, this is this is what I've noticed with LeBron, and you tell me if this is what you're what you're seeing or what you saw. But I'm seeing him just pick his spots, like you know, Floyd Mayweather style, punch when he punch when he has to, and he's on defense the rest of the uh, rest of the night, and he's coasting. He picks his spots. He's more of a spot up shooter than Austin Reeves and Schroeder and D'Lo deal with the pick and roll with AD. Um, he's playing good help side defense. He's gonna have to play a lot more on ball defense with the Denver. Uh, squad being able to handle the ball and being able to shoot. So it's a different type of matchup. But yeah, man, I think he'll be able to dominate inside the paint when Joker and AD canceling out each other. I mean, let's say an AD gets in foul trouble. So they're going to move LeBron to the small five. They don't have any other. I mean, Mo Bamba, is Mo Bamba going to be healthy? I think a problem both centers are going to run into as well, since they're going to be constantly spammed and pick and rolls defensively, they're going to be naturally pulled away from the basket, which could open up rebounding opportunities for other guys. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, man, LeBron, I think that's a great bit. At, at, you said plus 50 to 1 is, I mean, oh, 50, I'm not going to criticize anybody at 50 to 1 for rebounding, but it would not shock me if LeBron averaged like 10 rebounds or 11 rebounds in the series. Now, is that enough to win this prop? Probably not. But I do think 50 to 1, there's a case to be made, or maybe AD gets hurt. What if AD gets injured? You're dealing with yeah. one less guy. I mean, and both of those guys, they do have the potential of being in foul trouble. Also, yeah. So yeah, but, man, I like that fifty to one. I love it. 
if I had to pick between the two main guys, I'd pick AD. But I, I do think LeBron at 50 to 1 is probably worth a flyer. I probably pick Joker simply because I think that AD is more involved defensively. So he's going for those blocks. So he's more prone to getting foul trouble. And I think Joker, while his defense is not as bad as people want to make it seem like it is, um, he actually was really decent um, defensively in the Phoenix series. I mean, now that could be, um, you know, contributing to DeAndre Ayton being a non factor, but still. Uh, give him credit. He's been decent defensively uh, in the past, and even on Towns, he was. I thought he was pretty good on Towns and go well, go bear, you know, in the paint. But mm-hmm. yeah, man. So I would think to play Joker simply because Anthony Davis is going to be on the pick and rolls. He's going to be more, you know, inclined to foul or reach, and then he's going to be going to block shots. Joker's not going to block shots. He's going to stay solid, stay on his feet, put his hands up. He's not going to get in a lot of foul trouble. But I think That's what he should do. Yeah, he should. And I think more. Uh, I think AD is going to be more prone to basically foul or be in a position where he has to foul than Joker. So, yeah, no, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you, but that's just my rationale. As yeah, to if, you want, if anyone want to take another flyer on anybody else, Porter Jr. is also 100 to 1. Uh, I don't see any assist numbers. It's probably going to be Jokic. I'm not going to bother, but uh, we have threes. If you want to make an argument for anybody, Murray's plus 125. Porter's plus 250. LeBron's plus 350. D'Angelo Russell's plus 380. Reeves is 50 to 1. Caldwell Pope is a hundred to one. Jokic is hundred and fifty to one. Give me KCP hundred okay. to one. Give it to me. Give I'm trying to me. think of who I'd even consider taking here. I'd probably consider Porter Jr. if I had to pick anybody. Uh, Murray, yeah. of course, since we're picking him to potentially lead in points, but it's plus one twenty-five. I don't exactly feel great about the value there. Caldwell Pope had a very good run there against Phoenix, but I think mm-hmm. for volume purposes, I'd probably lean to Porter. Because he's probably going to attempt at least like eight per game. Yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, just value perspective, I think KCP can get hot uh, two and a half games and get there. But like you said, volume wise, Michael Porter Jr. is going to get the volume. And KCP will probably be more focused defensively. He'll be more locked in defensively than Michael Porter Jr. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, But I think it's going to wrap it up for the actual player props. Uh, There's one more that's kind of fun. Who will have the highest scoring game in the series? Uh, Jokic is plus 115, LeBron is plus 300, AD is plus 350, and Murray is plus 400. Once again, I'm not going to take any long shots there at 50 to 1 for anybody else. You want to make a case for anybody there? You want to go Murray because we have him for points? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we both are like really into Murray this series. I think he's he can erupt. I, I don't have to look at his game log. Now, obviously, it was a different team in the bubble and it was a different situation, but I think he had a really, really good showing against good. the Lakers, right, in the, in the bubble. Yeah. So yeah, man. He he's been okay, um, like consistent wise. Now some of the numbers look good, but like it was more like garbage time stuff. Or he would have a hot quarter and then like kind of tail off, like on doing his best Jalen Brown impression. So I think I think um, I think Murray can can give you maybe forty forty five, and that might can do it for high scoring. I mean four to four to one, right? Uh, yeah, it's four to one on Murray. Yeah, man. So I'll, I'll play Murray, uh, maybe AD, uh, but yeah. I mean, just it just depends. You know, you know what you're getting with AD. So if you want to take more upside, I would go with well, that's Murray. Why Ball, one Ball game. That's, that's why all you need is one game where yeah. AD potentially drops forty, and you might be good. Yeah, but I, but see, the, the counter to that is I think Murray can drop forty. I mean, yeah. any of those guys obviously can drop forty, but I think more so to have chances. I think that Murray will have the more more chances to to score forty. Yeah, because I, I don't agree. think Joker. Wa- I don't think Joker wants to score forty. I don't think he wants to score thirty. I think he's fine at like 24, 25, you know, thirteen and ten. I think. I he's think fine he's going to end up averaging thirty, but I think you're right in general. That's not what he wants to do. Yeah. But I think it's going to wrap it up for the actual player props. So we're going to talk about our best bets after another word from our sponsors. Brought to you by Talkify. Are you t- having a hard time meeting people? to date that you actually like. Uh, Why do you keep trying the same methods over and over again when you're set up to fail? It's time to say goodbye to swiping and bring back the human touch to dating with Talkify. Talkify is the country's number one matchmaking service that's designed to help you achieve relationship success. They're trusted compatibility specialists, hand-select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. And right now, Talkify does have a great deal for our listeners. They are offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash SGPN for 20% off when you have a 
when you're a client. So, you know, anytime you can try to find the person of your dreams and you're saving money doing it, I like to call that a win-win situation. But anyway, uh, time to move on to the actual best bets for the show. Tough for a lock and dog because, once again, it's not actual games or kind of just going through a bunch of props. I'm going to ask you, though, if you had to pick one or two of your favorite plays in the series, what are you going to go with? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Nuggets minus one and a half games. Um, I also would probably counter that and put the series to go seven. Can't you bet? You don't have to bet the winner, but you can bet like games in the series, right? Yeah, I had that available, too. I just didn't bother mentioning it. Yeah, so I think I would... I would dabble a little bit on seven games, but I think the Nuggets can finish it in six. Um, it's always good hedge stuff there, too. I don't, I don't want to get into a, a math uh, lecture here. But, yeah, I think my favorite play would be Nuggets minus the one and a half at plus money. What was the exact number? I, I don't have the updated one. Oh, okay. So the Nuggets to win minus one and a half games is plus 160. Okay. To look at the actual game prices, which I didn't exa- which I didn't mention before because I figured nobody would actually want to consider taking it. The over-under is a five and a half. Over is minus 210. Under is plus 170. The favorite is the series to go seven. Seven games is plus 175. Six games is plus 195. Five games is plus 324. Games is plus 650. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, so you said once it's my nuggets minus one and a half is plus 140. 160. Yeah, so essentially you could bet both and still profit. You can bet the 160 and the 175 for it to go seven and still be good. Just you know, split your units up. But yeah, I think that'll be my bet. My best bet for that is the Nuggets. Now, would I be surprised if the Lakers win? No, I, w- I wouldn't. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be everything that we thought the Lakers Warriors is going to be. Um, and for the dog, man, I like some of the the player props. Uh, I like I love Murray. I'm big on Murray and, and Porter in this series. So I'll take Murray. Uh, was it four to one to be the leading scorer? Um, the leading scorer was plus 550. I'll take that. Most points in a single game was four to one. Yeah, I'll take both of those. I'll take both of those, and I'll take the LeBron fifty to one most rebounds. Okay. Uh, so for my best bets, first of all, I think the Lakers are going to win the series. I think it's going to be very close, though. So I am not really going to pick a side. I think you can get a better number on the series in series. For example, if the Lakers lose game one, I do think you'll get a probably a two to one or something price there, which maybe I'll, I'll be tempted by. Uh, but I do think the main prop i am actually going to look at for the sake of this series first of all i do think i have to take murray to be the leading scorer at plus 550 for the value i just think that that's a very good deal uh but i do think for the overall uh, i'm trying to think of what exactly i want to take here because there are a couple of props i didn't mention uh which i am kind of tempted by uh if you want to take the lakers to win in six that is plus 380 that I'm kind of tempted by, but I think I'm going to go back to something that I tried earlier in the playoffs. It's going to be the team to win game one and whoever's going to win the series. Yeah. I'm going to pick Denver to win game one and the Lakers to win the series, and that's plus 340. I think that has a lot of value to it. Denver, we know, has been great at home. With the altitude, we can maybe expect the Lakers, unlike I know this year they've been good in game ones, but I do think the Lakers might struggle in this game one in particular the Lakers to lose game one and win the series is plus 340. I think that's pretty tempting. I, I also, saw a, couple, I also I saw a couple of joint player prop series uh, prop like combos. For example, you can get Murray to average 25 points and Denver to win the series at plus 210. You can get any player to score 50 in a game in the series at plus 1500 if you want to make a case lebron to average 30 plus points in the lakers to win the series plus 450 80 to average 25 plus in the lakers to win the series at plus 250 you have a lot of options so if you want to make a case for the lakers to win the series or denver to win the series but you don't want to take the current price and you think well the only way they're going to win is if this happens then you can bet one of those props as well but i do think the main prop i'm going to look at here is the lakers to lose game one and win the series at around plus 340. Yes, that's not a bad bit. Uh, you have anything else you want to add, or should we just wrap nah, it up? No, man, I think we gave, I think we gave out a, a lot more than what I thought we were going to give out, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was kind of making up some of the prop markets on the fly, but I'm happy yeah. we found some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yep, but I do think, though, that it's going to be a fun series. I have Lakers in six. You have Nuggets in seven. So we both expect it to be a bit of a grind. Should be a lot of fun. But anyway, we'll be back once again tomorrow. 
Uh, Terrell gave me a text message this afternoon that he cannot make the show tomorrow, so I'll be doing the show on Sunday once again, going through the Game 7s, etc. Should be fun with between Boston and Philly, but Mm -hmm. you can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. Delonte, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, XX Monte XX. Um, also in the Discord. Uh, if you if you're not in there, please get in there. Some good information, good people. Uh, and shout out to everybody that gave us a review over the past week. I don't know if you want to do that now. Well, we could just do it on probably Monday. I'm assuming. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, Jr's right. You have the Nuggets in six. Yeah, six. Yeah, six. I'm sorry. My bad. Apologies. I, I would. I would play the. I would play the series seven. Like I would split up a half just okay. to just to be able to kind of like. Kind of a hedge opportunity because if it yeah, goes- JR, thanks, thanks for correcting me there. Yes, I have the Lakers in six, and Delonte has the Nuggets in six. Yep. Okay, but that's going to wrap it up. Until tomorrow, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Basketball, give me, give me.